2022 or Death Holler brought us Season 3 Slash or Pass It became the classic horror film podcast of its time And now Death Holler brings us the most shocking season ever Season 4 Dead or dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Imagine, if you will, that one of the hosts is absolutely terrified of zombies. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Now, accept the fact there is no escaping this horror. Death Holler brings back the dead. Death Holler. Listener discretion is advised. With hospitality like this, you'll never want to leave. We hope you stay alive. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. To Death Holler, I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is the spirit that ditched her corpse years ago, La Urena. Would you drink a potion that trapped you for eternity in your body, Urena? I mean, siempre vida, live forever. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd take that deal. I, I just, I don't. You know, if, it, if uh, I could stay beautiful and I took care of myself, yes. But as it stands, I do not take care of myself right now. So it's going to be a no from me. Yeah, you'd, you'd probably get pissed off at somebody, have a fight, and then there, you go, there you'd go. There you be. You'd uh, have damage to your body at that point. Mm-hmm. It's, that, that's long-lasting. Yeah, so. it's going to happen. It's February, folks, and that means Valentine's Day is once more rearing its ugly head. And since the zombie is a near-universal monster for telling any story about the human condition, we have plenty to discuss in celebration. After all, what's more romantic than a love that doesn't end at death? (laughs) Uh, So before it's too late, make sure you've brought or bought your significant others some flowers, their favorite candies, and maybe even a nice gift, and settle in as we discuss the 1992 Robert Zemeckis black comedy, Death Becomes Her, 
and the 2013 Ramzam film, Warm Bodies. Uh, first, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. Let's attack some bees. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, my eyes! A tag of the bees this episode is for Fido from 2006. Tagline, he'll steal your heart or eat it. <laughs> uh, also, good, dead, or hard to find is another tagline from this movie. Oh, wow. Uh, directed by Andrew Curry, written by Robert Chomiak. Uh, Andrew Curry and Dennis Heaton, uh, uh, based upon original story by Dennis Heaton. Uh, principal players, we have Keyson Loader playing Timmy Robinson, the bullied and neglected kid of the uh, in the 1950s uh, odd post-apocalyptic society. Um, Keyson's played various parts in television since this movie came out. Nothing really major that stood out to me, like, you know, he, he's he's getting regular work. It's just, you know, little bit parts here and there. Yeah, whatever pays the bills, uh, you know, respect. Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, Machete, uh, Danny Trejo, uh, did for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it it's respectable. Uh, Billy Connolly plays Fido, uh, the zombie pet to Timmy. Uh, of course, Billy Connolly is a pretty famous, I'm pr- I think he's Scottish, uh, comedian. Uh, been in a lot of stuff, voice acting work too. Uh, he was in the movie Brave as the voice of Fergus. Uh, the Boondock Saints, Muppet Treasure Island, and Pocahontas, amongst other things. Um, doesn't get to speak a lick in this movie, so okay. his claim to fame, his Scottish brogue is, n- I think he's from Scotland again. Yes, Could be he's Irish, be. but I'm yeah. pretty sure he's Scottish. Uh, doesn't get to use it one time in this movie, so okay, is which what it is. I love a good Scottish <laughs> accent. I'm not even gonna lie, but I was wondering because when I saw that he was King Fergus, I was like, wait a second, like that was a thick fucking Scottish accent. Granted, it was oh, watered down for Disney. Yeah, he's uh, whenever he really gets to speak in it, I mean, he he can make it to where you can't understand a word he's saying. So, oh my goodness. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss plays Helen Robinson, Timmy's mom, and a zombie file. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> Does that make her a zombie uh, file, or is it actually like a, a necrophiliac? She doesn't quite fuck him, well, even okay. though there's hints. Uh, we'll get to the the necrophiliac here in a second. Okay. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss is pretty famous. I mean, she was in the Matrix movies. I mean, you know. Uh, pretty smoking hot in those movies too. Never I mean, heard for of her. the time. <laughs> uh, she was also in Memento. Uh, great fucking movie. Uh, Jessica Jones. She played. Uh, I believe Jessica Jones, like, uh, like, so, like, it's not really her agent, but somebody associated with like the lawyer that she knew. Uh, and uh, Mass Effect two and three. She did voices on that. She was in the Bye Bye Man. Uh, Frankenstein from twenty fifteen. Silent Hill Revelation. And uh, Suspect Zero. So, 
I imagine with some of these other movies, we'll probably see her name back on this list at some point because those Silent Hill movies are not too bad, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, heads up, she is 56 years old, and by God, is she gorgeous still. She, she is, yeah. She aged beautifully, uh, uh, doesn't look like she has a lick of filler. I'm sure she, and those procedures that are not intrusive, so she may be partaking in that. Um, and I don't blame her. I'd be doing the same thing, but man, she she's gorgeous. Yeah, she didn't go the route of totally fucking herself mm-hmm. up like that poor girl off of uh, uh, the boys. Uh, that oh uh, god, yeah, uh, Starlight. Well, that's, yeah, I don't know the actress name I forgot. Aaron, Aaron, something. I, I I can't remember what her last name is, but yeah, she uh, she claims she didn't have anything, but it's she's lying. I mean, it's it's pretty noticeable. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Baker plays Bill Robinson, the uptight 1950s dad with a funeral obsession. Uh, Dylan Baker is a, uh, he's, he's won his way to my heart for one movie in particular, and that's Trick or Treat. I oh, mean, yeah. He plays, he plays that, I love that character he plays in that movie, the, uh, the high school principal or, or and that's, uh, got the son that he's going to show him how to carve the jack-o'-lantern in that movie. Yeah. Um, but. He was also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. There's a scene where uh, John Candy and Steve Martin have to be picked up and taken to, I believe it's to go on the the train in the movie. And this guy, this redneck shows up, got a pregnant wife, and and he orders the pregnant wife to lift their heavy, like, suitcase and stuff. And, uh, and he's got like, he does this, he's a character actor. He does this tick in that movie where his face is always twitching on one side. And he's like spitting out these big wads of like nasty tobacco in it. Totally different character. And he played anything else, but he sells the part. Yeah. Um, he was in a movie called Dream Scenario, extremely wicked, shockingly uh, evil and vile. Uh, it was in Spider-Man two and three as the as actually uh, Doctor Connor who becomes the the lizard in those movies. Um, and uh, the Sale and Requiem for a Dream and Love Potion number nine of all things. So I mean, which always in my mind kind of I associate with the other movie that we'll be discussing at some point, uh, death becomes her. So, um, I don't know. Those two movies kind of hit me the same way. It's both like, you know, some kind of weird, you know, almost gypsy magic or whatever that's being used. <laughs> um, and delirious that, which is a pretty good John Candy movie. I, I really like that one. I, I think yeah. that's under a lot of people's radars, but I haven't seen that in forever, but I remember, um, I remember watching that over and over as a kid, but I couldn't tell you what it was about. I just remember the name. So the the movie is that John Candy is a writer for like a soap opera, like a TV soap or, you know, like daily soap opera, like some kind of general hospital type Mm -hmm. thing. And they're getting ready to make some major changes in the show and, and I and I think he might be like they're moving some other writers in, so he might be getting the boot. Yeah. And anyways, he he gets hit in the head as he's try as he's like leaving one day, and hence the name Delirious. Yeah. And he wakes up and he's inside of the the reality that he created for the show. So like every actor who he dealt with on the the you know the actual show is pl- is actually the character. Uh, themselves and and like he finds that he has the ability with his typewriter to basically play god like if he oh. types something out they have to do it yeah it's a pretty neat concept for a movie yeah okay uh, 
It's all coming back I, to I me wanna, now. I want to say that uh, Dylan Baker in this movie has this uh, really inter- his character in this one. Another character part he's playing because he's really good at those is a character that they gave a tumor. And when and it's actually growing on his head, it pulsates at times. Ew. It's like this huge, massive. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. And he can't like he his memory like comes and goes because the, like the tumor is like affecting his brain. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Sonya Bennett playing Tammy, who is Mister Theopolis's friend in quotation marks. Uh, and she's had lots of parts in TV writing and acting, so she's had a hand in a lot of different things since this. Um, we have Tim Blake Nelson playing Mr. Theopolis, who's the former Zomcon employee, and he is the necrophiliac. Cause oh. It's straight up hints that he's fucking Tammy. Ew. And he even, makes, he even makes a comment in the movie that he got her good and fresh because the way that she died, uh, well, the gist of the movie, skipping ahead a little bit, is that it's set in nineteen an alternate nineteen fifties uh, apocalypse, basically taking place after Night of the Living Dead. It doesn't say that, but it it, it is because there's some mysterious radiation that covered the earth and all the dead came back. Hence, Night of the Living Dead. Anyways, uh, this company, the, the zombie wars were fought and humanity was losing, but then a company called Zomcon uh, invented like this. Uh, collar that you put on the zombies and you can oh, yeah. actually domesticate them at this point <laughs> and so that totally changed like the the history of the zombie wars and they and now the zombies are basically the servants to the living um in any ways in mr theopolis's case uh he happened to be in the grocery store tammy who was a young clerk at the store uh it, the way that he said it i assume she was a clerk she could have just been shopping but anyways she suffered a aneurysm and uh, as she was falling to the ground, convulsing from her aneurysm, they slapped a collar on her good and quick. And so he's got the freshest fuckable zombie you can find. What so, the fuck? What him. was her name again? Uh, Tammy is her name. Okay. Is she one of the characters you? Yeah. The the next one that Sonya Bennett. Or okay. Whatever, got so. it. Okay. Oh my God. No. Uh, no. Sonya Noah Bennett is joining us here. He's uh, just entering the studio at the moment. So it looks like he'll be uh, popping on here with us. You're lucky, babe. We're right in the middle of discussing Fido. Oh, what do you think? Uh, well, he he hasn't gotten to that point yet. It's Attack of the Bees, so get them cans on, and you can hear what he has to say. All right. Sorry, Reverend. Continue. My bad. I just so, for. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who plays Mr. Theopolis, as we was just saying, the zombie fucker in this movie, <laughs> uh, he was in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, Hell he a was good movie. The, Yes, he was the one that got turned into uh, uh no, he didn't get turned into the horny toad. It was his other friend, or he thought it was his other friend um, in the movie. Uh, he was in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which I actually liked that Netflix movie, at least for the part that he's in. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like a singing cowboy that goes around just like, I mean, it's killing people left and right in the, in the movie. Uh, he was in The Incredible Hulk from 2008, Minority Report, uh, Nightmare Alley, Ghost of the Ozarks, and actually Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. He was in that movie. Scooby-Doo does so fucking good. Speaking of that, just a slightly off topic. Did you, did you, or I did I send you that Scooby-Doo ride? I think it's like in Florida or something. Yes, yes. That's wild. That was like a, abandoned or whatever. I don't think it's abandoned. I think it's still happening, but they're saying that it's not like it's not doing well. And they're like, they could have done so much more with that ride. And I'm like, have you seen... 
some of these rides because I thought it was like walking through a fucking museum. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it, it was pretty good. I thought that it was an interesting uh, way to go about doing that. It almost reminded me of the cat in the hat ride down at Universal Orlando a little bit. That's the funny. The way that they did it. Ooh, again, off topic, but I have to mention, or Universal Orlando has three new universes that they're working on. Harry Potter, uh, Super Mario, and something else. No, there's four. Mm. Oh, it's son of a to, bitch. How to Tame Your Dragons. Okay. Or, uh, oh, yeah. Dra- dragon. Uh, it's Dark Universe, which the yes. Universal Monsters... Uh, Ministry of Magic, which is the Harry Potter stuff, and yeah. then um, uh, Super Mario World. That's going to also include Donkey Kong. Yes, uh, Country, which is not available even I think in Japan. So okay, now I have to ask, just because you've been there a few times, don't they already have a Harry Potter in and um, Super Mario? Uh, they don't have a Super Mario. Okay, they, they have Her- they have Harry Potter across two different parks right now. Okay, and this is going to be an entire third park, so they're going to have a Harry Potter Harry Potter section in three different different parks. Yeah, they're going to have the Ministry of Magic. That's where all the uptight fucks are at. So that yeah, would, it, min- it Ministry the- of Magic slash Paris, which yeah. is from the new movies or whatever. Yeah, the Fantastic uh, Beast. Okay. Yeah, that's sick. Okay, I'll get off that topic because that's that's another discussion for another fucking day. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty good. So I'm, or, I mean, their theming is on point with the it, Harry Potter yeah. stuff. So that's amazing. We're hoping that our Universal gets some more stuff because it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but it just it's they don't have any more room. They they do they that's why they're expanding and they're adding that what do you they're call it? expanding they're building on top of what they have that's true yeah there's no room like ex- to expand out they can only expand up that's true they they somehow I mean that area that they got to build the new uh, epic universe is I mean it's every bit the size or bigger than the two parks that they've got right now so they're doubling the size of their parks in in Orlando. All I know is I saw a really nice golf course right behind Universal Studios that, for a good amount of money, that land can be bought up and used. <laughs> I don't think so. I think there's too many movie stars that probably use that. Probably, but they can get have a small putting course. <laughs> uh, we have Hen- Henry Zerny playing uh, Mr. Bottoms in this, who's the new head of security for SOMCON. Uh, he was in the movie Ready or Not that we've already covered Hell with yeah. Samara Weaving. Uh, played the dad in that movie. Yeah, uh, he's he's played in the Mission Impossible movies. He's the one that is, you know, like if this is your mission. If you, you know, care yeah. to accept it, he's that guy. Uh, he was in Scream Six, and he was in a movie called Zombie Town, appropriately named, <laughs> that just came out for so. this season. Yeah, uh, and then Alexia Fast plays Cindy Bottoms, who's a crack shot and a friend of Timmy, uh, who Timmy wants to be a little bit more than friends. He's kind of. Uh, really attracted to her uh she's been in recently jack reacher and she was in two episodes of supernatural so i always got to throw that out there whenever yeah and it's never just one episode it's always two two is the magic number two. yeah they always get a couple in there but they can't have them in more episodes than that or they'll upstage you know uh sam and dean so i don't mean quit putting beautiful people on your fucking show i, I don't know what to say <laughs> a synopsis uh too long <laughs> didn't read uh lassie if the dog was a zombie that, that's it. That's it. That's yeah. You got it. 
No, uh, anyways, the longer version. In an alternate 1950s, America and the world was subjected to a strange radiation from outer space that caused all the dead to reanimate and rise up as zombies. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, the zombie wars were fought, with humanity barely managing to drive back the threat. What finally turned the battle was an invention by a company named Zomcon, which used collars to domesticate zombies and turn them into the new working class. Now, in a gated community <clears throat> called Willard, um, young Timmy Robinson is about to meet his first pet zombie and find that some bonds transcend death. Timmy is lost in a well. Fido thinks Mrs. Robinson is swell, and Mr. Theopolis doesn't mind them as long as they're good and fresh. What? <laughs> uh, this movie's pretty fun. I mean, it's it's got a lot of the cheesy 1950s vibe to it, so um, I think, and they did a pretty good job with that. A little bit of trivia. The name Willard is actually the name of the town that was in Night of the Living Dead. So oh, there you shit. Go. So they all, um, <laughs> it's they, same universe they kind of. They in. Yeah. Uh, also, Billy Connolly absolutely fucking hated having to shave his beard to play this part. I mean, he bitched about it constantly on set. Why couldn't he keep the beard? Uh, because it was 1950s and oh, people didn't wear beards back but then. But he was a zombie. Like, what? Um, I don't know. Okay, I, I get it. He had to go with the look. It was interesting. I think it's interesting in the movie that they made him like a former smoker that died of a heart attack. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the way that he, because he's got like the incision on his chest. And uh, a lot of the times that's the way they pacify him is they give him a cigarette and he gets a, a good draw off of it. And he's his zombie mode kind of kicks away. So, oh my um, God. Just like, and and Noah was right. I mean, the mom in this is kind of attracted to Fido. Um, well, I mean. That stuff going on. Is she not getting attention from her husband? She's not because he is the most uptight. Yeah. Uh, neglectful. All he cares about is golfing with his buddy. Oh, okay. And then making, and making sure that he has paid uh, their funeral bills because in this reality, uh, and only the most or the richest people can afford funerals because if you, I mean, cause they don't like the dead to come back. So they don't even bother with them. It's usually as soon as you die, slap a collar on you, you're going to be working for somebody. God damn. It's kind of like, instead of harvesting hit. organs, you're just harvesting the whole body at that point. Uh, to me, it's a hellscape because just imagine you work all your life, mm -hmm. you die and then it's like, nope, now you're going to go and you're going to be cleaning somebody's toilets for all of eternity until your body just rots away. Put the chips away. <laughs> what? Put the chips away now. I just got off fucking work. That's fine. You ate dinner. Put the chips. We No, you cannot have cheesy poofs while we're doing a podcast. Stop being a pirate hunter. I'm going to put a collar on you after I knock your head in. I'm going to give you some rigor mortis. <laughs> no more cheesy poofs. You can have those tomorrow. All right. Uh, anyway. Carrie Ann Moss definitely gave uh, Fido some rigor mortis, if <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, she's gorgeous. I mean, first off, we talked about how she's almost 60 and she's fucking gorgeous. But then we... Th like, this was closer, I mean, even more to her prime and mm -hmm. the fact that she was, uh, I mean, in those... She was dressed up like a 1950s housewife, oh, yeah. a really ma well made up one, and that's the sexy look. I mean, the dresses and really putting herself together for a man, even though he didn't give two shits about it. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, it's funny because I forced Noah to watch this TV show he did not want to watch, but that was a 50s housewife. 
And like that was the thing is like they got up every day and they dressed in their fucking Sunday best to run errands, clean the house, do basic things. Women, me specifically, don't even do that to go to work. <laughs> Our actual jobs, like. Um. Yeah. It was. It wasn't a bad time for the men back in those days. They'd come home just like in this movie. The uh, wife had them like a nice mixed drink ready to go, and uh, they were DTF. I mean, they they were home all day, and they they were ready to do some other you know, activities when they got home. But so, I think the problem them. is, is that it's not, it's not, it's not affordable anymore for women to do that. I don't think guys care nor, it sounds like back in the fifties, they didn't appreciate it. It was just like expected and that's fine if that's how it is. But if that is just becomes a chore at that point and it's not even like, you can't even do anything like I'm not want to be sweating balls while I'm fucking scrubbing the toilet in my fucking nice ass dress you know <laughs> that's why you were on Black Betty's uh, Bama Lamb back in the day <laughs> the Quaaludes and you didn't give two fucks because you were high most of the day oh my god uh, between that and the mixed drinks you were ready to just enjoy life just you know? be a Stepford wife I guess I don't know and see a lot of a lot of families now have Adderall as the recreational drug, and that doesn't make you feel good. That just makes you work a little bit harder when you're cleaning. So who's oh my who wants to do that? Yeah, so fucking put your sweatpants on, throw on a T-shirt, a wrinkled T-shirt, and fucking get the job done. <laughs> and then fucking watch TV all day and have people wonder what you do for a living. Um, but, yeah, this movie really is. It's 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 definitely taking its hint from Lassie, I mean, whenever they made this uh and there's a lot of that. It's uh, there's even a scene where like some bullies tie Timmy up to a tree, and uh, and then uh, Fido has to go get the Carrie Ann Moss to come save him or whatever. So, um, and he doesn't have the collar on at the time, so he's actually a tame Ooh. zombie without the collar. Wow. Okay. Wait. So how how did he get his collar off? He doesn't get his collar off. This old woman at the beginning of the movie uh, uh, sees him underneath her bench that she's sitting on, and he's trying to retrieve the ball that, that Timmy threw through yeah. the bushes. And she takes her walker, and she beats on him until it, it messes his collar up. Oh, okay. And, it, and it, it flips out for the rest of the movie. Like, it'll work fine one minute, and then if anything bumps against it, he's zombie mode again. You okay. Know? So, Would you say that he's a certified good boy, then? Uh, I technically he would be, I guess, in a weird way. If I he mean, helped Timmy and he didn't have his collar on, he fucked up a lot of people in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. Did they deserve yeah, to be fucked he, up? Well, he ate that that older lady or a bit into her. Then she bit somebody else, and then it shows how quickly the zombie apocalypse, even after they've controlled it, yeah, still spreads because there's like half the town that's zombies. Like after just that <laughs> one bite, that's what you get. <laughs> Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, by the way, the reason they added in the subplot in this movie that she was pregnant is because she was really pregnant and they didn't want to have to cover it up in the movie. So they're like, somehow her husband, who acts like he might be gay, uh, somehow got her pregnant. Yeah, buddy. He's still got to uh, do his husbandly duties. <laughs> it was the thing to do. Yeah, if you had beards, I mean. Yeah, you if you're going to gonna uh, have a beard, you might as well grow it out, so. Yeah. Um, 
Nick Cage rating for this movie, I would give it a Raising Arizona. It's quirky, offbeat, but it's got a decent amount of heart, and it's you know enjoyable to watch. So, um, pr- pretty decent for a, a little you know zombie movie. I'm gonna be honest with you. I-, I watched this as a kid multiple times. It was on. We had a you know the the cable that you stole. <laughs> Where you Fido? had every fucking channel, channel, <laughs> and Fido was on. Um, I F- forget. Fido didn't come out till like what twenty fourteen. No. When when did Fido come out? Uh, it was a little bit. Early. Okay, yeah, so I was oh, okay. Never mind. I thought yeah, it, for we some were reason, living together already. Oh, I thought I was watching this when I was younger. Like not a, I shouldn't say kid, but like a older teenager. What but are you no, even I wasn't. talking about? <laughs> I'm turning off the mic. Now I wonder what movie she is talking about. Yeah, because I swear, I mean, maybe I didn't. Maybe I saw it as an older person, but I would watch it over and over. I just remember seeing it multiple times. And we're not talking about my boyfriend's back, which also has like a 1950s zombie vibe. Maybe it is that one. Maybe I'm mistaking those two. When did that one come out? I watched that a lot on HBO. Okay, and that's on a lot. And it was one of those channels that was a premium channel that you got with stolen cable. Yeah. So that's what the fuck I'm talking about. What are you talking about? Do you say any other words? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm I'm preventing you from eating chips on the microphone, so that's why I'm shutting off your mic. Whatever. <laughs> All right, movie discussion. Warm Bodies from 2013. Tagline. Cold body, warm heart. <laughs> hold, on, hold on. The real question is, before you go into warm bodies, would you consider Fido a Valentine's Day movie? Yeah, that's why we're discussing uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're discussing Valentine's films right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Theopolis goes a little too far. I mean, he's fucking his zombie, but you know what? Hey, different strokes for See, different Look folks. it. I would rather it be that than a person fucking an animal because that happens too. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. So if you could take in a person as a fucking pet, which I mean, I guess that is a thing. They're we're called slaves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just saying. Um, don't there is a series of zombie novel or uh, novels from back in the eighties called Book of the Dead. I want to say John Skip was one of the guys who helped create that. Totally based off Romero's like zombie stuff uh if it's the one i'm thinking of the very first book of the dead has a story in it that i recommend nobody read (laughs) uh, because it is basically about somebody who wakes up in the zombie apocalypse uh finds out that their mate through some bdsm sex the night before uh died from suffocation now they're a zombie and it goes through the process of describing them fucking the zombie and how it feels, and let's just say sandpapery feel. Uh, uh, Is the zombie squishy. a girl? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, the zombie. Yeah. Squishy, uh, hey. slimy. It goes into all the details. You got to take it's opportunities when they present themselves. <laughs> it's uh, something I, that I will probably still have in my mind, even if I get Alzheimer's, and I wish that it would be scrubbed <laughs> away from my brain. I'm just you were a better person before you knew that information. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Somebody thought this up. Like, what would it feel like to fuck a corpse? And they described it. I wonder if they if actually it, did. You got to research somehow. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways, Mr. Theopolis, 
uh, ugh, just he's I, 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 he's enjoying his his best life with Tammy, and she does. She seems to enjoy it too, for whatever it is, because she's also the type of zombie that whenever the collar goes off towards the end of the movie, she actually still likes Mister Theopolis. She stays around him and doesn't try to bite him. So there you go. Okay. Uh, anyways, Warm Bodies, uh, directed by Jonathan Levine, uh, written by Isaac Marion and, uh, Jonathan Levine, music by Marco Beltrami and Buck Sanders, made for a budget of 35 million, it made 117 million. Fucking Pretty killed good. it. So the author, wait, it was written by Jonathan Levine, but that's not the author. No, okay. uh, Isaac Isaac Marion, I believe, is the real is the author of the novel, okay. and then Jonathan Levine basically took it. He wrote the screenplay based upon it, and nice. then got some. You know, he was like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And got like some notes or okay, whatever that that works. I, I respect it. Uh, principal players: We have Nicholas Holt playing R, our strangely human zombie protagonist. Uh, and he's been in a ton of stuff, especially recently, uh, X-Men first class, the menu, uh, the menu, which was great. Mad Max Fury road, um, the great, which is the, uh, a lot of people like that TV series with him in it. Uh, Renfield recently with, uh, our, you know, Lord and savior, uh, Nicholas cage. <laughs> so there you go. See, uh, not a lot of people knew he was in the Mad Max movie because he doesn't look like himself at all in that thing. No, when he's sitting there huffing chrome yeah. and like strapped to the front of that vehicle, I mean, doesn't even look like him. Yeah, we're going to Valhalla. Speaking of uh, the menu, I just got a wiki wiki break it down like the longest uh, explanation of the film. You know, there's people on TikTok that will go through the film and you know discuss it, and this one was with spoilers, and I got the whole breakdown of that film, and that film sounds fucking amazing. Oh, he's a douchebag <clears throat> in that movie, and he gets what he deserves. He really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got 100% what he deserved in that I movie. like how Anya Taylor-Joy fucking took the fucking the the tips around her. Not the tips. She just paid attention to details around her, and that's what ended up helping the situation. I won't spoil anything. Well, at the, yeah. end, at the end of the movie, the sheriff was the stand-up dude because he realized that douchebag, what he did to her. Mm-hmm. And you fucking, like, he's like, cool. I'll give you an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and realized that his whole thing was, is he was sick of the, I mean, the, the, the pretentious the, in the movie, he was sick of the pretentious part of it. He, cause he got into it because he loved food and like the joy it brought to people. But then whenever you get to a certain level of the chef Ramsey types, they stop being all about the, the people who come to them are less about the food. And it's like, we can afford the special things yeah. that you can do. So make it look nice for us, puppet or whatever. Yeah. You know, and they basically, and that, that's the gist of the movie. Speaking um, of food, how was your daughter's uh, taco meat? Fucking fire. <laughs> okay. I was starving. Is there any leftover? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm good. Fucking hungrier than a hostage. Well, I'm not holding <laughs> you hostage, but okay. Uh, Teresa Palmer plays Julie Grigio, our heroine slash love interest in the movie. Uh, I feel like she does a damn good job matching the character from the novel, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't realize there was a novel. Uh, yeah, you didn't. You had no idea that Warm Bodies was a novel. Sure, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I'm... <laughs> she, she was in uh, uh, I Am Number Four, uh, Lights Out. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, Sor- the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Another Nicolas Cage film. Uh, the Grudge 2, uh, and then Wolf Creek. Uh, she was a background character. Okay, in that movie, I was about to so. say, I don't remember her. 
Yeah, she wasn't one of the main ones that he got to kill throughout that movie. Okay. So. Uh, Leo Tipton plays Nora, uh, the wannabe nurse, Julie's best friend. Uh, side note, her character was a uh, black woman in the novel. Interesting change. This was before they oh. started going the other way with all the changes. It was literally right before, but she's definitely a person of some kind of color. I can't. Uh, Puerto Rican, maybe. Um, she's got something going on. Yeah, it's but it's it's diff- way different than the way they portrayed her in the in the novel. Yeah, um, I do remember her being colored in the book. Uh, she was the Green Hornet. Uh, she was in the Green Hornet. Uh, she was in Crazy Stupid Love and a movie called Viral. Uh, we have Rob Corddry playing M, which is R's best friend, or Marcus, as he because he actually learns his name toward the end of the movie. Yeah, uh, Rob Corddry is a gift for comedy. I mean, like mm-hmm. he. Children's uh, Hospital. Stuff he's in. Children's Hospital. Yeah, we ha- he has that on favorite here. Favorite things where he plays the the clown. Yeah, he he he's so good in that show. I mean, and it's one of those shitty like uh, Adult Swim like shouldn't be good at all type movie or shows, but it is. Uh, and uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. I love the character he played in in that movie, and he even he's a highlight in the sequel, even though the sequel sucks. But still. Um, seeking he... a friend for the end of the world, and then office Christmas party, oh, and like then old one. school. Was he in? Um, um, was he in uh, the Ron Burgundy movies? No, I thought he was for no. some reason. Okay, he he was in the show Community because he played Jeff Winger's like uh, scummy uh, lawyer friend that like actually got hit, Jeff kicked out of the practice or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to go back real quick to Leo Tipton. She was raised, this will make more reference to my husband than it will you, Reverend, but you'll understand too. She was born or raised in Sacramento, California. Damn, meth capital of the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's, I don't know if it's still number one, but it was for a long time. Oh, my God. That, that's why she was uh, so skinny in this movie. Never, I'm just kidding. Shut up. <laughs> it was a Zempic. Uh, Dave Franco plays Perry, Julie's ex, uh, i.e. dead boyfriend. <laughs> uh, Dave Franco's actually got some, he's, he's a decent director. Yeah. He's, he started like doing some good stuff himself, but, uh, he was in the disaster artist, uh, which is a pretty decent, uh, take on the room or whatever. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it they do a pretty good job making fun of the that he was in uh, nerve uh neighbors 21 jump street day shift uh bad meat and then he was in fright night from 2011 oh, yeah. so he's been in some other horror stuff um he's also married to allison Bree, so lucky fucking bastard oh um, really i didn't realize that oh yeah yeah they've uh, been together for a long time uh john malkovich plays papa grigio the uh julie's asshole dad uh John Malkovich has been in everything. Of course, being John Malkovich, the movie about him, uh, Shadow of the Vampire, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Burn After Reading, Red, which is pretty decent. I mean, uh, comic book type movie. Uh, uh, retired and Extremely Dangerous, I think is what it stands for. Uh, the Man in the Iron Mask and Heart of Darkness. God, is he ever going to be um, in anything good? Really? <laughs> Burn After Reading uh, is one of my favorite movies he was in. I, you know what? I tried watching part of that, and it was on TV, and I only, I didn't catch it from the beginning, and like it, it didn't hit me. Like I hit it in the wrong part of the movie. Uh, that's the one that's got Brad Pitt in it, right? Correct. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, what makes that movie good is nobody knows what the fuck is going on, and everybody's kind of like <laughs> making all these assumptions, and none of them are right. Um, can someone please explain to me what being John Malkovich is about? Oh, what? You haven't seen that movie? <laughs> no, hold on. John Cusack? The Puppeteer? If I watched this movie and knew, oh, I wouldn't be asking. God, that's a good movie. Uh, it's basically you can crawl into this small door Half a that allows you to go straight into John Malkovich's brain and control him, I think, is what the Oh, my movie. God. No, no, Was it any good? No. So, basically, what? So there's this building... And there's a half floor in this building. It's a small little half floor. Okay. And at the end of the half floor, there's a door. You can go through it, and you can experience John Malkovich's life. You can't control okay. him. Oh, okay. Well, John Cusack, okay, okay. John Cusack's character is this puppeteer. That's what he does for a living. And he happens to stumble across it accidentally, and he's able to control John Malkovich. Oh, my God. See, that's the reason I thought about the control, because I remember he was controlling him at one point in the movie. Yeah, so he ends uh, up he ends up using his puppeteer ability and ends up controlling John Malkovich. Okay, is it good? Yes. Okay, Reverend? It is, it is, but it's weird. It's, okay. it's a weird it's really movie. weird. Was it slow? Like, I wouldn't be able to... <laughs> so the way... The, the whole idea of the movie is there's this portal... For all these people, mm-hmm. they don't die, but they keep living. But they don't get to control anything, but they get to live through other people. So the idea is right before uh, like this window, all these people shuttle in to John Malkovich. Oh, my God. And then they end up being part of him. And then he has an offspring, and they end up being part of that. And they keep repeating yeah, the cycle. Yeah, that, that is true. Weird. So they, that so yeah, so it's yeah. a consolidation of all these people that, that don't die. They is keep that a comedy? Kind of dark comedy. Dark comedy? Vaguely. Okay. It's, it, it's one of those comedies, though, that's got like a very dry sense of, well, not even dry, quirky sense of humor. It's like, so. it's not like very out there. Like, it's not like old, it's not like what Rob Cordry would do for comedy. I'll just put okay. it that way. Would it's, it be what it, John Malkovich would do for comedy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry if we're taking us down that rabbit hole. Um, anyway, synopsis for this movie, just your basic love story. Boy meets girl, boy falls head over heels in love with girl. Boy awkwardly tries to hang out and get to know girl. Boy meets girl's unapproving father. Boy finally gets with a girl, except in this version, the boy's dead and the love might bring him, might be bringing him back to life. Um, Julie tries to fit in with the dead R is a philosopher, but only in his head. And M is ready to help his best friend. Whatever the cost, there's nothing hotter than a girl with brains. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Hey, that's another tagline for the movie. Here's, I know. A couple, uh, here's a few more for you. He's still dead, but he's getting warmer. <laughs> nice. Uh, dead sexy. Shut up. I mean, you know. And uh, bros before brains. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The others were funny. Bros before brains is funny, but it's like, it's dumb funny. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, we got some quotes. I mean, most of these are going to be from R and his voiceovers. Uh, I, I wish I could introduce myself, but I don't remember my name anymore. I mean, I think it started with an R, but that's all I have left. I can't remember my name or my parents or my job, although my hoodie would suggest I was unemployed. <laughs> which line. is funny because you did discuss that in the book, which we will make, be making a lot of comparisons to. Uh, he was a definitely a businessman of sorts. They they basically swapped Marcus or M with R in this movie because 
uh, R was the one that was in the business suit. And when he flat, when he does remember any kind of things from his past, he was the one taking like the, the business or first class flights. He was like, uh, doing like business deals and like, you know, and all that sort of thing. And, and Marcus is actually a biker and, oh, yeah. you know, in the, in the book. So, and, and a coos hound on top of that, he, he likes the ladies. So um, I think, I have to say that it does make sense, at least from because you're seeing it visually and we'll just go with seeing as believing. But I do think that it is kind of better that they made him. They don't know what he is. You don't know that he's a slacker, but he's wearing a hoodie, a T-shirt and some jeans. And he looks more age appropriate to, uh, you know, what's her name? Um, the main character, uh, Julie. Julie. He looks more age appropriate for her than a businessman would. Yeah, and the book has some different. The book's actually uh, got some smart commentary uh, about generational divides in it because R is almost like a Gen X. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie is a millennial, and yes. as, as well as Perry and the rest of them. And then the Bonies, and then her dad are boomers, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, there ain't no changing and, them. And yeah, and that's the point. Uh, the whole point of the book is is that the boomers, you know, aka the bonies, and also the leaders of the humans, uh, they're all about death. All they can think about is kill, kill, kill the other side. We've got to wage an endless war. Stop me if you've heard this before. It's not like you know, we got a, a senile president boomer who's doing the same fucking shit right now in office. But anyway, son of a bitch! <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they, they all, they, all they care about is death and killing. And then you've got like, and then the book has a pretty, and it's actually a pretty good point. Like with Julie and Perry and them, like the millennials in the book have a lot of like almost hopeless, like suicidal thoughts. And I hate to say it, but I've seen that in a lot of like younger millennials, like a lot. Like if you talk to them, every single one of them is like, kill me. And then you're like, ha ha. And they're like, no, seriously, I yeah. don't care if I was dead. Good and God. I'm like, that's pretty fucking dark dude like seriously aren't we considered you know? xennials we're like the we're in between um generation we're, x and millennials uh, we're gen z. yeah gen z yeah i thought no i think we're xennials what what came first gen x or gen z uh no gen z is like the group right now that says no cap bussing yeah. and all yeah. that bullshit then we're gen so. x we're we're actually gen x <laughs> Is what we are. Well, we're we're a micro one in between, but yeah, we're close. We're closer to them. We got all the benefits um, of the technology and all the freedom from okay, our adolescents. Okay, so Google says Xennial is yeah. a blending of the words Generation X and Millennials to describe a micro generation or a crossover. Those people whose birth years are between the mid late nineteen seventies and the early to mid nineteen eighties. So That's we are Xennials. Yeah. So yeah, we're a bit of we Generation got the best. X. And we're a little bit of millennial. Yeah, like the best era to grow up in. We did, and we blend. I think we blend in pretty good. Like we're not cool. We like to think that we're cool with the Gen Z. I don't, I don't give, give a, a shit. Fuck <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Fuck yeah. Fuck. That's the, that's the thing. That's where we get from the Gen X. We don't care if we fit in with them. We they, don't. They can either accept it or they don't. Yeah, you know? and that's the thing is like I feel like they are okay with us. Like they don't. I don't feel like. Um, you know, uh, the millennials, I don't feel like they're like, ew, you're old or you're weird. You know, they, they, the difference with our generation, we're not boomers. you like, you ever sit down and try to talk oh, to boomers? God, it's it's rough. fucking like pulling teeth. Like how did your generation, how's your generation? This fucking retarded. <laughs> it's, it's so hard, man. It's, 
And I just yeah. laugh when they, especially when they start telling war stories. It's like you can't figure out how to run the fucking VCR. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? It's 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 they're really weird when it comes to that stuff. Like, I mean, my my dad could like you know Jerry rig like a, a engine to get it to work <laughs> and like yeah, but I, he could not figure out how to get like the or I mean if the TV needed to be like you know hooked up or whatever. I had to help him with a lot of stuff. It was just kind of how it was i mean it it sucks but i mean that's you know uh the worst part about it for me is though is that like when you're talking to boomers it's like they they like to say that uh, the generations younger than them are privileged and entitled and 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 they are to a degree i'm but, not going to take that away from them but that the shit that they demand especially at the, uh, now that they've gotten uh, you know to the age they are and it's like we're elders respect us and what my, you know, like some of them almost deliberately ask you to wipe their ass for them. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, who's entitled. I mean, your, you, your parents were, you know, the, they had to suffer to, to, you know, and then they, through the war, world war two and to give you a good life. And then you were hippies and then you <laughs> fucked a bunch of shit up. So you, you know what the difference is? It's not even so much that like the, them being hippies and stuff. The, the, the thing with when it comes to boomers and current like generations after them is they weren't in a highly competitive work like workforce market like the market nowadays for working requires so much like you can show up and phone it in all day and you'll never gain access to doing anything important within a company but if you don't know but if, but if you do want to put the effort in the competition is super aggressive nowadays and it's it's a more competitive market that requires a lot more compared to what boomers had it's a more competitive market but it doesn't unless you're a doctor uh you're in the medical field or maybe you're uh, a lawyer i don't even get teaching sometimes but whatever the complaint mainly nowadays is i went to college i got a degree not gonna it's worthless yeah and nowadays it seems like you it's not about you know where you went to school it's about you know, who you know and your... Um, it's always been that. Yes, well, kind of. I feel like it's it's getting getting back to that a little bit more because for a while I feel like they were trying to put an importance on, oh, okay, they got the education and we can put you in this I know, but when position, but it's not working out. When everybody has a degree, the degree is meaningless. It's worthless. Yes. So it's about who you know and, of course, how much experience you have. You get experience by getting a foot in the door and being able to go. And no, I think that no. who you know, it works a big part of that. You get experience by taking on the tasks that nobody wants to do because yes, they're scared That's to what do. I'm talking about. It, it's taking on, well. Yeah, but these kids don't want to take they on They don't want to do it. Anything challenging. And they can't, like, I should get, why? Why should you get paid more? What are you doing that's so impressive? I've yet to see it happen. And the boomers, on the other hand, are like, I've worked here for this long. I deserve more That's because I've been here. the craziest mentality. <laughs> boomers have this mentality, I've worked here for 20 years. I deserve why. But they don't do anything. But they don't do anything. No. So oh, the and, worst, and, and that's that's why I like the book circling back, circling to, back, yeah. To this whole discussion is that they they he has that set in the zombie apocalypse. It's like you've got you know R who's Gen X who's just he you know the whole shrug and non-committal and him being silent you know just like passing through life or whatever uh, kind of you know uh, you know simulates that a little bit with Gen X because they're they're the generation <laughs> everybody forgot basically. Yeah. And then Julie and the rest of them are millennials. They're just, you know, yeah. they're, you know, they're, 
they're living in a shit world that, you know, they can't really seem to get by, uh, the, you know, and, and they're depressed and all that stuff. And then the boomer's sitting there just like, kill, we got to kill. <laughs> We've got to find us something to blow up, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's it's pretty funny. appropriate. You know what I love about between the book and the movie? Because you've already explained it that, you know, R kind of points out each different, you know, uh, class of people. But not only does he do that, but he does it thoroughly, but in a short amount of time, both in the book and in the movie. He wastes no time in giving unnecessary details. He just calls it as it is and explains it thoroughly enough that you understand what he's talking about without saying boomer generation x millennial etc yeah it it none of those labels are put in there but you know instantly mm-hmm. what generation is who which he's talking and about and what he's getting at yeah it, he does it so excuse me the author does it so amazingly and then they carry that over in the movie very well and the one thing that the and going back to I mean what brought us in this whole discussion anyways about the hoodie, I think in the movie they 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 changed R to yes. just a, uh, if you want to say elder millennial still a millennial with the hoodie aspect he went from being a Gen X to a millennial so he would better fit in with Julie basically yeah what they did. you you have to because otherwise it kind of would have translated I think it would have translated awkwardly on film. Right, well, even in the even in the book, there's that comment from uh, uh, Nora, or whatever. It's like, how old are you? Yeah, you know, like she's, you know, like they they bring it up. They just don't really dwell on it. Yeah. that much. Um, or in a voiceover, uh, what am I doing with my life? I'm so pale. I should get out more. I should eat better. My posture is terrible. I should stand up straighter. People would respect me more if I stood up straighter. What's wrong with me? I just want to connect. Why can't I connect with people? All right. Because I'm dead. I shouldn't be so hard on myself. I mean, we're all dead. This girl's dead. That guy's dead. That guy in the corner is definitely dead. Jesus, these guys look awful. (laughs) Same are same. Look at, tell me you can't take that same like comment right there and look around at just random people doing their daily task and be like, they're dead inside. Like she's she's dead in the eyes. He looks like he's got nothing to live for. I should stand up. I am pale. <laughs> I should get out, and I definitely should eat better. And, I mean, that also describes a lot of our generation. Yes. I mean, you know, we're inside more. We don't get out in the sun because we're told if we do, we'll die of cancer. <laughs> and So, I mean. Uh, uh, the ladies are our, have no calcium to keep their bones together. <laughs> exactly. And that's why zombies, they just be falling apart. Uh, uh uh, are uh, introducing him. This is my best friend. Uh, by best friend, I mean we occasionally grunt and stare <laughs> awkwardly at each other. We even have almost conversations sometimes. You know what's so sad about that quote is that take me and Kayla, for instance. We go to each other's house. We get on our fucking phone. We laugh and show each other what we're laughing at. Not explaining. We show, like, oh, look at this TikTok. Um you know, get, maybe we get something to eat together, but the conversations are not the same. Yeah, and I, I think there's something that the the author and the screenwriter were both trying to say. Yes, one hundred percent. And this is, by the way, a friendship between an exennial and a millennial. She's one hundred percent a millennial, whereas I'm an exennial, and this is a, yeah, okay. <clears throat> and in the movie, or Marcus is definitely a Gen Xer. 
versus the yes. elder millennial that is our. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, you know, there's, because Rob Cordry definitely fits into the, the Gen yeah. X. They did a, they did an amazing job. Uh, or there's a lot of ways to get to know a person. Eating her dead boyfriend's brains is one of the most unorthodox methods, but. <laughs> <laughs> and for context, in the book and in the movie, if you eat a person's brain, as long as it was fresh, it had to be within a certain time frame, you actually got to see their memories from certain parts of the brain. Uh, yeah, they established in this movie, which I really like, that they, they combined both Return of the Living Dead and Night of the Living Dead. Zombies will eat flesh because they just have a hunger driven yeah. to eat. But they eat the brains because that lets them live. That lets them forget that they're dead, which really does tie in to Return of the Living Dead because there's that scene in that movie when we get to it yeah. where they've got the, the one zombie strapped to the, the gurney inside of the, the morgue or whatever in the, or the funeral home, and they ask her, it's like, why do you eat brains? And she's like, because it, it stops the pain, the pain of being dead, you know? So yeah. It, it's kind of similar to what they've established in this reality. Oh, that's Return of the Living Dead, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. They, that was... That's where they eat brains is Return of the Living Dead. That's where that started. What year was Return of the Living Dead? Off topic, but not. 1985, That's not maybe. the one it's... where the girl, like, is piercing herself to prevent herself from eating. That's the same series, but that's, like, the third one in the okay, series. Okay, I, th I was about to say, about. I thought this is the third one. Okay, God, I have, I have a memory. The, me and, the first one is me and one that me and Noah talked about where Linnea Quigley dances around naked. Yeah, in the you two little hoe-bags. <laughs> Looking at her hoe-bags. Uh, uh, R again. These, uh, they call these guys bonies. They don't bother us much, but they'll eat anything with a heartbeat. I mean, I will too, but at least I'm conflicted about it. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> uh, Nora, like, he could be your boyfriend, your zombie, your zombie boyfriend. Uh, I mean, I know it's really hard to meet guys right now with the apocalypse and stuff. Trust me. And, I, and like, I know that you miss Perry, but, Julie, this is just weird. Like, I wish the Internet was still working so I could just look up whatever it is that's wrong with you. Um pretty millennial statement you know yes. it's like let me let me get the internet so i yeah. can look this up <laughs> webmd uh, zmd <laughs> uh at the end of the movie for context there's a scene where m who's returning back to life uh or marcus is walking through a park and it's starting to rain as a uh, pretty woman walks beside of him and he offers in a gentlemanly way to you know Going back to the book where he's yeah. kind of a ladies' man. Oh, yeah. Uh, offers to, uh, like, let her, you know, stand under his umbrella. She helps him open it because his zombie fingers can't yeah. really work that well still. And uh, as he's walking through there, uh, he says, you're pretty. And then, like, she sits there and smiles at him and says, thank you. And he looks at her. And this, uh, I love this little line. He's like, now you're supposed to say that I'm pretty, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh in this part in the movie where Julie is left, uh, R and she's gone back to her dad. And then you get, you have a really good scene between M and R as they're like, they're, they're, they're actually able to talk to each other now a little bit because of whatever's happening. Uh, M's like, are you okay? And R's like, no. And then M looks at him and he's like, bitches, man. I can love it. <laughs> it is such a dude thing. You know, those are bros right there. Uh, bros before brains. Mm -hmm. um, Perry, what the hell are you doing here? Are you actually dreaming right now? Oh, yeah. And then R's like, I'm not sure. And Perry's like, you can't dream corpse. Dreaming's for humans. 
And then Julie tells him, chill out, Perry, dream if he wants to. And then she approaches R, like, what about what about you, R? What do you want to be? And R's like, I don't know. I don't even know what I am. And Julie's like, well, you can be whatever you want. Isn't that what they say? Uh, R, we can, right? You and me. And then they nod. That's like whenever – because they do a thing in the movie where he starts to, like – he without the brains even being there, he's able to see Perry mm-hmm. and he's able to interact with Perry, yeah. which ties to the novel to a degree. But I, and I actually like it better in the movie because in the book, in the novel, they have it to where after he, they, they basically established that when you're a zombie and you eat brains, the memories and the personalities of the people that you ate stay with you forever. At yeah. that point. Because uh, there's a scene later in the movie where he's walking through Julie City and memories of different streets oh, yeah. and like, people talking to him pop up. And it's from people he's ate that lived there at one point in time. Yeah. And But they really established that Perry is now a part of him. Yes. And they almost go to the point, which is why I don't like it so much in the novel, but I do in the movie. In the movie, R is doing this on his own. Like he, mm-hmm. Perry was the one that pushed him toward that, but he's actually developing all this growth on his own. He's actually the one developing his own memories. In the book, every memory that he has is basically Perry's. Yeah, and in the book, he's, he's almost like a puppet of Perry's. Yeah, it's like Perry has taken over his body and is actually the animating force in some instances, you know, or at least the thing that gets him to do more than just what he was doing before. Yeah. And like I said, I like it better than the movie just because I like the fact that R's own personality comes out, you know, as a result of everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Perry, uh, it's not going to happen, lover boy. Not after you told her you ate her ex. <laughs> Uh, which is a very difficult scene in both the book and the movie when uh, R has to actually admit to Julie, it's like, uh, yeah, I was the one that killed Perry. You know, that's an awkward conversation to have. It's hard not to blend the book and the movie together. Um, I know they have their differences, but was it in both the movie and the book or was it just the book where Perry was very suicidal? Uh, it was in the book where he was okay. very suicidal. They, they, it's it's in both, but they only hint yes. at it in the movie because they paint Perry as like he was after his fa- he he went outside uh, with Julie and discovered that his father and his construction crew had been converted to zombies, and Julie had to put his father down to save Perry. Uh, after that point, he snapped and he started like disconnecting. Uh, but that's all they hint at in the movie. Yeah. In the book, they actually go farther because you're with Perry because he's part of R more in the book. Yeah. And basically, he was he was going to kill himself that day that he was eaten by R. He was going to do it anyways. It didn't matter. I think he wanted... I Did it hint at that he wanted to know what it was like to be one of them? I never got that sensation or that or that idea from the book that he wanted to be one of them. I think it I just got this the idea from or the the context was that he just didn't have anything to live for and the world was too bleak. Like there was there was no hope and so he was just done. Yeah. And and Julie that's the big thing with R is that he even as a zombie he has hope that they that they can change the future and do something different. Yeah. Which, again, brings into the whole, like, he's a Gen X. He doesn't have that millennial, you know, uh, basic uh, hopelessness to him or whatever about the world. And she kind of responds off of that. Yeah. Um, 
And also, a little bit of difference between the two of them since we're on that subject. In the movie, it's just the fact that Julie's love and, and, and ours connection to her seems to be bringing everybody back to life. Yeah. Uh, including the other zombies. They don't really give the reason that the other zombies are affected in the book. Uh, because in the book, like at the end of it, when Julie kisses or her, the zombie virus basically starts to enter her body through the saliva. She, her own, like whatever was inside of her fought it back. And then between the two of them, they basically created antibodies. And then like, they became something more than a human and a zombie. They were both like infected, but not at the yeah. same time. Uh I don't know what's like being naturally a. exposed to a disease without getting a vaccine. It's like your body knows what to do. <laughs> that there's no such thing. The the Lord of Truth and Science uh, said otherwise. So, <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on which version you prefer. I kind of like the mystical. The love brought them together. But I could see some people saying that's bullshit. The the you know her getting exposed to his germs through the saliva. You know, inoculating her makes more sense. Whatever. It's Maybe it's a little bit of both. I think that, so how I view it every, the 300,000 times I've watched this movie and will continue to watch it over and over every time it's on, the world stops. Um, and I've read this book multiple times now. I think you've read it at least once. Um, yeah. Is that I think they they saw a gleam of hope. If, uh, if he can, if R is, they can clearly see the change. They can feel the change. It's being affected because it's like it's like a disease in itself where R is now talking more. M is learning to talk more. M is starting to talk to, you know, his zombie people. And then they can physically see, hey, we can get over this. We can overcome this. We will rebuild, you know. And yeah. that's kind of another thing in itself versus... Yes, I understand, you know, her kind of getting her own personal inoculation. That sounds so fucking dirty. Uh, <laughs> hey, in the, in the book, they hint that his dick starts working again. Yes, so they do. Go R. <laughs> you know, that's another part of your body that comes to life, so why the fuck not, you know? <laughs> and he's he even pisses out of it at one point, which he had not done in a long time. Oh, yeah. So you, you know what? The thing of it, too, is that he's literally coming back to life. Like, the... The the dying part is dying, literally. The, the, his whole body, his cells, his blood flow, he starts bleeding. He's literally coming back to life. So it's not, you're not fucking a dead person or a zombie. It's a person that literally got a second chance at life, honestly. Yeah, and it's, and, and, and ultimately it's a story about just hope in general. It's yes. like, I mean, you know, somebody who's given up, who... Uh, thinks, uh, you know, like just, uh, you know, doesn't want to just, you know, go off to the side like the bonies and, and basically die or whatever. But like, you know, it, it, they're, they've got a re he's got a reason now to get back in the world and it's, it's bringing him back to life, but, uh, life or whatever. Yeah. So, um, good, good message. Uh, a little bit difference between the, the movie and the book though. There's way more like smart, you know, like generational stuff in the book. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the movie, but the movie truncates and cuts out enough of the, and, and actually, in my opinion, improves on a few things that that's in the novel, because at the end of the novel, there is a bunch of running around. Oh yeah. The two main characters that they really cut down on. And I think it, they make it way more 
uh, cinematic and way and way better. Uh, you know, just uh, basically comes across better in the movie than it does in the actual book. Yeah. Cause that scene in the in the movie, which is is a pretty good one, where are like they're at the top of this one area. There's nowhere for them to escape, and and, the, and it's a big drop. And R just uh, basically almost sacrifices himself to save Julie by like grabbing onto her, and he takes the brunt of the fall, mm-hmm. which they describe in the book is actually it breaks like several of his bones, and it takes him like a minute or two to even get like you know them back in the place so he can even walk after yeah. that. But that's like in the middle of like all the running in the book. And it just goes on for a bit after that and doesn't really, for no reason really. Where in the movie, it's like at the end of everything. That it's was the like climax. The scene, yeah. The climax. And it makes more sense in that. And it's, I think they did a better job of repositioning that part of the story than, than the book did. God, Noah's not here right now, but like, I think any guy could. <sighs> could relate is if you were John Malkovich because he's just John Malkovich let's just you know let's just call it as it is yeah if you see your daughter be rescued by this alleged monster do you soften up do you see that it really is what she's saying it is or do you still fucking just like no (laughs) like absolutely not so that that's the difference between the book and the novel. Which do you prefer? In the book, her father never. Yes. Uh, he never mm-hmm. uh, understands that there's any hope there. And even at, at, to the point that, and it's hinted that her mother, who was a zombie, is actually the one that comes back, rips his throat out, and then, like, you know, uh, throws the both of them off the top of the building to kill both of them at the end of it. Oh, I did um, not get that at all. Yeah, it, there's just one line in the book, and it's like when Julie looks up, there she vaguely recognizes the female zombie that's on the roof, and that's when the zombie leans in and rips out the dad's throat or whatever, you know, before he can shoot Julie. Yeah. Um. So that's like her mother coming back at the last second to to save her, basically. Yeah. Um. But he he's too far gone and and he actually, he becomes a bony as he's falling to his death. Like that's how far gone he is in the novel that he, he becomes a bony without even dying or well, well, he's, he dies like, and then instantly becomes a bony. There's not even a transition period there for him. Jesus Christ. Because literally I've reread the book and then I listened to the audio and I did not catch that at all. Yeah, it talks about how the skin on his face, like, as he's falling, just, like, flutters away. Like, oh, I you know, did? Like, okay, I did catch that. Yeah, and, the, like, the skeleton underneath was, like, exposed, and it was, like, you know, moving around. So he became a bony instantly. That's how far gone he was, like, as far as, like, no hope, like, the world is done, you know. He was the same as the bonies were. Like, there was no difference, which is saying something, too about like the the wars amongst some of the boomers it's like you all are the same whether you want to admit it or not like you might be in different countries but you all fucking have the same ideas about things okay so did did he survive the fall as a zombie uh as a bony whenever he fell to the ground i think he got up and went to move and then some and i want to say that maybe Nora shot him oh okay okay that makes sense Um, jesus christ i feel like I don't need to. If I have to listen to this book again, by golly, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in the movie, it's a much happier ending. Like whenever they have that that big ultimate climax fall into the water, uh, John Malfitch does shoot 
are, but whenever he sees the blood, he stops and he actually, that brings him back from the brink and, uh, Grigio becomes like the father that Julie has always wanted, needed him to be basically. Um, Wait, so did you it's know there was a part prefer- two, a book? Uh, I didn't know they were that they had a part two. For I that. didn't either. I accidentally stumbled upon it on Google because I'm like not believing you right now. Um, it's called The Burning World, a Warm Bodies novel. Hmm. It's a pretty expensive book. Which no, that that cannot be. Hold on, a Warm Bodies novel. It's on Amazon. It's book two of three. Isaac Marion. When was this? It was written in, in 2017 is what it says the hardcover came Holy out. Holy shit. I'm going to get this book. And then where's part three? <laughs> there it <laughs> is right there. It no, it is. Okay, so that you can buy all three of them together. And the third one is called The New Hunger, a Warm Bodies uh, novella. Um and let's see what the synopsis on this one is. After years of societal, uh, the end of the world didn't happen overnight. After years of societal breakdowns, wars and quakes, the rising tides, humanity was already near the edge. Then came the final blow no one could have expected. All of the world's corpses rising up to make more. Born into this bleak and bloody landscape, 12-year-old Julie struggles to hold on. So it sounds like almost a prequel. As she and her parents drive across the wastelands of America, a nightmarish road trip in search for a new home. Hungry, lost, and scared 16-year-old Nora. Oh, okay. So this is, I've heard about this. It's uh, it's Julie and Nora's uh, stories before they made it to the compound, kind of. Um, so she finds What's herself, up? her brother's sole guardian, and her parents abandon them in a night so not-so-quite-empty ruins of Seattle. And she did say that, I think, in the movie or in the book, that her parents just dropped her off in the middle of a zombie-filled area, basically to die. Okay, yeah. So there's two other books in this series. Um, would not, I have to read the books. I I have high hopes for them. Would not be upset if they continued the movies, though. Um, I don't know how you feel. It, it <laughs> says here somebody's doing like a review of part two and says that Marcus and Julia unofficially became a, a pair or no Marcus and Nora. I mean, unofficially okay. became a pair. That's going to be a weird, yeah, weird combination of the two of them. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I, that that's cool. I didn't know that they made a sequel. I, I didn't either. Myself. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just so surprised. It could have been another Valentine's gift from my husband. <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> Getting to the movie review, uh, visually, the zombies in this are great. Oh, I my mean, God, yeah. They, they do a, now, the bonies, they suffer a little bit from the I Am Legend, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like computer graphics. But the funny thing is, is they're not as bad no. as I Am Legend. Not so even. So, for a movie that was made for a lot less of a budget, it has better visuals even on the bonies, you know. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> But I mean the the makeup effects on uh, R and uh, and Rob Cordry's character M in general, like the, they're very good zombies. Like the the way that they done them up, there's just a, enough humanity to them that I mean, especially as as they get farther along, like they start pulling back, like some of the black veins and making them more yeah. living. It's it's very well done. I, I mean, do like the different classes of zombies, where it has the you know the fresher ones. 
uh, the wasting away ones, the starving ones, and then the bounties. Like they, there's all different kinds. Yeah. Um, and then, and also visually, it does a good job of making you think that you're in an apocalyptic place. Oh, yeah. Because that, that airport, the way that they set it up, I mean, the the city, whenever they get closer to it, the suburb. I, I actually wanted more scenes in the suburb area because I thought that was pretty neat. It actually reminded me a bit of the place or Dawn of the Dead, like the beginning suburb that they started out in in that movie. It kind of had a, a little bit of that look to it. So um, story-wise, I mean, it. I – uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a romantic you know type film or whatever, and got zombies and all that. But they do a really good job in the movie of of truncating things, keeping things light, and uh, keeping the focus on the two main characters. Who I mean, between Nicholas Holt and uh, the actress who plays Julia, they do a Teresa, I believe is her name. They do a really, I mean, their on screen charisma keeps your focus in the movie, and then the inner. Minton Rob Cordry like stuff where he's I mean he's pretty funny in his own right and he's actually playing more of a dramatic role in this movie too which is kind of strange yeah because he's not just like a joker like I mean there's several times where without talking he has to like use his body and his facial language to convey that he's like you know like sad for R or he's like concerned or that sort of thing so yeah kudos to him for stepping up I mean he, you know just not being a regular comedian guy you exactly know? yeah no he did an amazing job of emoting comedy without speaking it you know yeah and I mean and <laughs> it was funny Nicholas Hope was talking about how uh he envied the rest of the cast because like where he had those like uh well, actually, no. He said that where he didn't have speaking parts for most of the movie, it was actually nice on the day that that he when he came in, he didn't have to worry. It's like he he felt bad for the the actress playing Julia because she had long mm-hmm. scenes in the in the in the plane where she had to like talk and talk and talk, and all he had to do is just basically like uh huh, yeah, like just basically grunt. And uh, he said it made it super easy on him as far as acting because he didn't have to memorize any lines that day. It's almost like she had a husband without being married. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, John Malkovich, I mean, he always does a good, great job acting. I mean, bringing him up. Um, Nora is the only one who's not in the movie as much, but, like, she's fine. Like, yeah. she doesn't detract when she's in her scenes dave franco is fucking ama- is great in this movie for what little screen time he has like i mean he really he stands out as being like a major character but if you count up the amount of actual screen time he has i don't think it's more than seven minutes yeah I was that. four minutes is what i would guess um yeah. he came off kind of he came off assholey uh he came off like he thought he was in charge almost to the point to where he dies you're almost like good you know <laughs> But I mean, you kind of—they kind of wanted it to be that way. Yes. If you felt if you felt sympathy for Perry, yeah, you you couldn't connect with R. Exactly. I mean, you really can't. And not only that, like, how was uh, Julie going to get over him so quickly if he was just being, you know, super loving or anything? You know. Yeah, yeah. If he was, if that, their relationship was really good right before the end, there was no way that they would have got together. Oh like, yeah. Her and R. Like it just want it would not have happened. So they had to paint 
like Perry to be the asshole that was like pulling away and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, music. <laughs> this movie's filled with music and it's pretty good music yes. for the most part. I mean, like I, especially whenever R is like playing the record, it's his way of communicating yeah. with Julie. Um, really good music uh, in the, the book too. Like he has, he has a pretty decent soundtrack of his own that I would not complain putting that on a, a playlist. Yeah. Uh, the excuse a little bit older in the yeah. novel because he's like playing like Frank Sinatra and stuff where it's more like, it's definitely more millennial based than yes. this one because he's playing like all, you know, like pop, pop rock and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, but it's still pretty good music overall. Um, you want to go into trivia? You want to like review the movie right right now, or you want to wait until after trivia and then cover your like your overall thoughts? Definitely, on it? let's get into trivia first, um, and then yeah, because I'm sure the hubby will have things to say about the movie, etc. <clears throat> the image on the movie poster of R giving Julie flowers never occurs in the movie, but did occur in the book. Yes, and the original book, as I well, I I didn't mention, I just said to you, is basically it's R in his version of himself in the book, which is a businessman, because he's got, you could tell he's got slacks and a business shirt on, and his arms. And a tie. Yeah, and a tie. And he's standing there. I think his arms are spread out, but he's got this white or this red ribbon. It looks like blood just from his head. It It's very pretty, but it's like, what is being depicted here? But I love it. Um. The scene in the book that that's referencing is whenever one thing that they had really weird in the book was the fact that R before he meets he meets Julie uh, goes he he meets a fresh looking zombie uh, and the way he describes her she was attractive before she became as you know died and was possibly somebody who worked as like a in the airport itself. Uh, her name badge is actually still on her uniform. Yeah. But like they meet uh, the bonies marry them like almost instantly because bonies can't have two people together without marrying them. More boomer stuff, you know, hitting toward that. And they end up giving them two kids on top of that because, you know, and these kids actually factor in way more in the novel because uh, even after Julie and R get together, they try to take care of those zombie kids, especially once they start turning human toward the end of it those kids actually play into the movie because uh the main scene that's in the book with the two kids and, uh -huh. and involving julie is whenever r is julie's teaching r how to drive yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or she's driving around the two kids are in the back seat yes. two zombie kids and they're trying to bite julie in the yes. novel and like, he's like yeah he's reprimanding them yeah it's like stop you don't do that yeah uh and then in the movie uh, the two kids are in the scene where she's teaching him how to drive. You can see the two kids. They're standing off the side watching the car yeah. roll past. So they did play into that. They did bring it up. His wife and his kids. Yeah. You know but what that I, I kind of wish they had in the movie? I wish they had how they showed them having sex like they do in the books. Oh, yeah, basically just, just bodies. Yeah, just they're kind of just basically bumping together against each other because they knew that that's what they used to do. Yeah. But they don't. There's nothing working, so it don't matter anyways. And then his wife went off and had an affair with another fucking zombie. Yeah, because, well, he wasn't paying attention to her because yeah, he, he was, was off with, with Julie. Julie so. Yeah. Um, but in that scene where the two kids are riding around the car, that's when he hands her the flowers in the in the books yeah. what I was trying to get at. So, 
when R, played by Nicholas Holt, returns to the airport with Julie, Teresa Palmer, for the first time after the raid at the lab, an automated announcement in the background can be heard saying, the white zone is for loading and unloading of passengers only. This is taken from the movie Airplane from 1980, where at the beginning of the movie, when Ted first arrives at the airport, it says the same thing. So that's, that's awesome. Why they played that. How did they, it, it, was it the same exact plane or was it just someone doing the same thing? It's just them basically okay. taking that line and reusing it. That's what they so did. But funny. it was kind of throwback. Uh, when Julie leaves the airplane for the first time on her own, one of the first zombies in the small group on the tarmac looks like Rick, uh, AKA Andrew Lincoln from the TV show, The Walking Dead. Oh, I didn't notice. So, I'll have to watch uh, it again. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, in our uh, Nicholas Holt's uh, home, the abandoned airplane, it turns out that he owns a Blu-ray of the movie Zombie from 1979, directed by Lucio Fulci, often noted as one of the greatest zombie movies of all time. Oh, my God. And we will be covering later on. Uh, a zombie fights a shark in that movie. So, <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. <laughs> Did you ever watch Zom 100 on Netflix after the anime? Uh, no, I didn't. No, you. It's it's kind of kiddie, but it's not too bad. You might like that. <clears throat> and what was it called again? Zom 100. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, continuing the Romeo and Juliet theme because yes, R stands for Romeo, even if he can't remember that was his name. Oh, I didn't think uh, about that. Yeah, uh, Perry equals Paris, uh, M Marcus equals Mercutio, yeah. and Nora is the nurse in the in that situation. Okay, that's legit. I like that. Uh, when R thinks back to what life was like before the plague, when everyone could express themselves and just enjoy each other's company, everyone in the scene is using a cell phone rather than talking to those around them. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the character Nora was originally described as having brown skin and being half Ethiopian, but they went with a Caucasian actress. Yeah, and I checked her background. Uh, she has not a single lick of color in her. She is white. She is white as they come, yeah. Uh, the actors portraying the zombies in this film chose not to blink. It was particularly uncomfortable for Nicholas Holt, who did a few long scenes without blinking later in the film. When the zombies before become more human, the zombies start blinking. I actually watched the movie after reading this, and mm -hmm. it is spot on. Like, if you watch that, that's the reason the zombies seem so creepy at the beginning of the movie is they literally do not blink. Yeah, they don't and, blink. I think it works out good, too, because you can tell his eyes are a tidbit bloodshot, if you will. Yes. Makes them look more dead. And and it's later on in the, the, the part in the movie where they start blinking more is that scene, like I said, where, you know, uh, M says bitches, you know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Because he's sitting there and he and he blinks several times as he's talking to uh, to R, and it looks like it it makes him seem more human. So it it sells that he's becoming more human. Well, you know, at that point, in time. yeah. I mean, clearly they there's things that signify life in this film, or that there is more life coming into them. Because uh, just like Perry said, dreaming is for people who are alive. And that's not because so much that R was dead. It was that R was sleeping because he didn't require sleep. Because when you're dead, your body, excuse me, when you're a zombie, whatever, however you want to describe it, your body doesn't require sleep. You just know to feed. That's all it knows is to feed. You don't feel pain. 
You know, you have to be shot in the head. So when you don't feel pain, you don't feel the pains of needing to sleep. No sleep can actually kill you. You don't um, feel the pain of your eyes burning from not blinking. No, the one, well, and, and, and it does say several times that when he tried to cry, you know, because yeah. of the, the pain of like, you know, knowing that he killed like somebody close to Julie, he, it actually hurt because like his tear ducts were dried up and yeah. they couldn't do anything, you know? Um, exactly. Did he eat his brains in the book too? Yes. He yes. was way more descriptive and Perry was a part of him for a way longer time than he was in the movie. What did he yeah. say it tasted like? <laughs> he he doesn't describe like yeah. the taste of the brains in the in the book. He doesn't or describe the taste, but he describes it. It's almost as if the memory is a flavor because he gets a bad memory and he spits it out, and he's like Bleh! he's disgusted by almost disgusted by what he did, but also disgusted by the memory he saw. So. Yeah, it's 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 more about like him just reliving and like get, and that's the the one way they can feel too because they 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 have no sensations oh, yeah. like the dead. They just want to be able to feel. Um, they do. He does describe in the book that they sleep, but not the same way that that people do. Like he literally, they'll just like blank out for a bit. Oh, and then yeah. they'll come back. Their eyes know? are open, but they're not asleep. Yeah, and and they'll and they'll randomly come back out of it like days later, mm-hmm. you know, like and so. But whenever he starts dreaming, that's different because they don't dream whenever they're in that blank space. Yeah, they're they're just kind of existing at that point. What do you think was going on the day that he decided he wanted to go eat in the city when they had just eaten? Like, was it him smelling Julie? Was it fate? Because it's a thing in the book and in the movies. And M is like, we just ate. And he's like, I'm hungry. He had this hunger inside him. But I don't think it was necessarily a hunger for food. Yeah, I, the way to describe it, it, it was more that he was like just, it was almost like he was feeling that he needed to get out and do something. Yeah. And that was like, you he know. He was bored. And knew, yeah, he was bored. And the, the other zombies wouldn't follow unless there was going after food that's yeah. the only thing that drives them at all there's gonna be beer and bitches <laughs> i like the fact that the movie that they show and i don't know if they really describe it that much in the in the novel but like how the zombies go about like their old routines like there's the janitor that's still oh, yeah. trying to mop the floor the one security guy keeps scanning or every time that he enters through the metal detectors i mean I, I like that in the zombie movies where the dead like go yeah. back. Cause I mean, that goes back to Romero. It's like, you know, there's something in them, like an old memory. Like they, they, they just go to a place cause they remember being there and yeah. being happy whenever they were alive. You it's know? very land of the dead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, big daddy pumping the gas. At the yeah. Gas station. <laughs> um, I, I actually enjoy this movie quite a bit. I think that Nicholas Holt and Teresa Palmer are amazing in this. Uh, and uh, Rob Cordry really, you know, makes it fun. I, I enjoy watching it every time. Yeah. Uh, I don't like watching a lot of films over and over. I think I feel like I'm a broken record repeating that. But this, this one, this is one of those films when it's on, it's on, and I'm sitting down and I'm watching it. What did I have to do today? Well, not a goddamn thing now because Warm Bodies is on. It is by far, the the book is by far one of the best Valentine's Day gifts I've gotten from my husband who likes to throw books at me and say, hey, I got this for you. Read it. 
whatever, you know? And this one, it was just so fucking good. I did not expect to like it. I don't like zombies. I even, I think I'm pretty sure I even gave him a look and was like, I don't like zombies. And he's like, well, read it. <laughs> uh, we'll watch a movie with me, but we'll take the time to read a book. <laughs> he gives me all kinds of good books, though, so. <laughs> this was, what do you think of this movie, Noah? Uh, I like it. It's it's not one of my top, top. I, is it because it's moves, not scary? It's not even so much scary. Is it's, it because it it's not scary? I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. it's, not, it's not even so much the reason it's not scary. It's just, it's a zombie movie. Like, I I don't mind them, but they're not, like, the over-the-top, the best ones. Like, Fido, I love that one. That's a hell of a good one. And this movie's pretty good, too. But, like, it, they don't really, because they take a lot of the horror factor out of the movie, for the most part, when you do that to a zombie movie. So it ends up being something more of a, like, a meta-analysis of people. Yeah, uh, me personally, I'm on the other side of that. Like, I don't have to have it, like, be frightening. I mean, it, it helps if there's scenes in it, which are. And, yeah. I mean, they, they, they paint, a, like, the scene with Perry, they paint that enough to where it gives, like, the, the, the threat of mm-hmm. the zombies or whatever in this movie. That's um, true. But I tend to... I, I mean, even the other day, like just we, ha- I had the TV on my wife and like Zombieland came on and I, I cannot let that movie play without yeah. watching it I, every time. <laughs> you know uh, what? When, I, when it, oh, God, sorry. I'm sorry. When it starts out just from the beginning and they're playing like that, that, you know, uh, guitar that's trying to play the national anthem, you know, like in, and it's talking about you've entered the United States of Zombieland. I'm like, oh, I'm in. Let's <laughs> watch it all the way through. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's do it. Uh, that and Shaun of the Dead, like oh, every yeah. single uh, yeah. fucking time. Oh my god! Um, I feel I just thought like, of something. That, that movie's kind of scary to a degree. It is. They actually put horror in that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought of something. So, R got rallied his zombie troops together to go into the city when it wasn't absolutely necessary. But he was just like, "I just want to go. I have this hunger inside of me." Perry did the same thing to fucking what's what's his name? Uh, John Malkovich, Julie's dad. Yeah, he decided, hey, Mal- this is the day I yeah. want to go out. I want to fucking do it. I'm ready to lead the pack. And he forced him to let him go. And they didn't know why they because they weren't in need of any. And they're always in need of something. But like they weren't in dire need of anything. So it was kind of just one of those things. And you realize it when. This is when you kind of know that Perry wants to die because he hears the zombies. He knows they're there, and I think he's just like, fuck it, this is it, you know? They actually, what I, one thing I like about the novel in that sense, because they it's a little bit more background, mm-hmm. uh, The Julie and Nora were not supposed to go with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he started to go, and then like, and then uh, Grigio's like, okay, you're going to be taking Nora with you, and he's Ooh. like, the fuck? What, what, what do you say? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, she, uh, she said that she's going on this mission and Julie's going with you. And then he, that is butt puckered up a little bit at that point. Cause he's like, I'm going at her to die. Yeah. I don't want them to die with me. Pretty you know? much. Yeah. I mean, good on him for wanting, I mean, knowing that he had a plan, but not wanting to involve her, you know, cause she could have ended the plan. She could have killed the zombies and that would have been his chance, you know? Yeah. And then and if that would have happened, they absolutely one probably would have not let him go out again or not have let him go out without her. Not because she saved him, but because it's like, oh, this was a successful trip. You guys are a great team. Yeah. And then from then on, he would have been, you know, like he would have been trying to commit suicide 
but dragging them along to ever increasing or more risk because he would have he would have picked riskier places the more that he would have had to win out, you know. Yeah, I think another thing too, or, or something that came to mind to me was, I wonder what was with the the eh, I cannot word right now what the success of this film was based off of. Was it women that are like, this is a man and I'm gonna change him. Like, I've got this man, he's a monster, but I, Fucking he's going to change for me. He eats people for a living. I can change him. I can change him. Exactly. I mean, think of Fifty Shades of Grey. Everyone's like, oh, the he's rich. The balls on you women. Holy yeah. shit. He's rich and everything, but he's he had some inner demons, but this girl was like, I'm going to change him. And women love that shit. Yeah, the book sold uh, really fucking good. Yeah. Well, it. Another thing too, this was released in February, uh, back when it first came yeah. out. So it was targeted for Valentine's Day. I, like, I don't remember if I saw it in the theater. If the if I made, I would have forced the hubby to did. take me to this. Okay, did I force you to go? Either you or my other girlfriend. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna change him tonight. Apparently He's gonna be I'm a zombie gonna, tomorrow. Yeah, no shit. You have one of those collars. You know where I can get one. <laughs> um. The other thing is too, it's it's a typical trope for like women's novels, but yeah, you like you like the threat yes. of a man who could kill you, <laughs> but one that you somehow tame with your feminine wiles. You know, it's he like, just loves that me. is such that is such a female trope. He likes me like, for me. <laughs> it's like I mean Twilight. That's the reason it caught. Oh God, he's a vampire that's lived for centuries. He could rip my throat out, but he won't because. He loves me. He respects you know, like, me. <laughs> no, know, he like, doesn't. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's so funny because I really can't stand, like, we're going to talk about it in vampire season, but I was talking about how fucking Dracula had to fucking, uh, like, hypnotize Mina in order for her to love him. She couldn't love him on his own. She fucking, he's a monster. He wasn't, he wasn't good looking. You know, I felt no appeal. I don't care which Dracula film you're watching. And I was like, he is mesmerizing. No, the fuck he's not. He's ugly. And but he has the power to trick these women into liking them, you know. So that's kind of disgusting because we talked about that too of using zombie magic to make women love you already. So, <laughs> what do you think I used on you? I wanted that high credit score and I wanted to own a home, Sherpa in the Rainbow. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You, you got the zombie juice in you. Oh, no. Um, it's funny because the difference between uh, men and women, like, seriously, we just sat here talking about men. No, it's like, why do you like Return of the Living Dead? Because of Lenny Quigley dancing yeah. in the cemetery. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot more like simpler. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> you mean, let me tell you, let me explain to you as, as a six-year-old boy what how amazing that was. <laughs> Fucking blew my mind. Has our son seen that movie? Yeah. Oh, God. Every time, like uh, every time, something like sexy comes up on the TV, he runs into the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, I haven't I seen him do that. I see him oh, cover yeah. his face, like, like oh shit. You don't watch a lot of movies with them. So, like sometimes we're watching something like a horror movie, and there's titties and <laughs> fucking, and like he'll get up and run to the bathroom. And I just start laughing. I was like, whatever, bro. Uh, whatever you got to do. Um. So me having giving my opinion on okay, obviously I like this because it is it is one of those stories of she changed him. She had the power of the pussy to change him. But like you liked the movie Reverend, so what would you say you liked about it? Clearly it's not the same thing that I like about but it. But R wasn't getting any pussy from her. 
He was going to eventually, and we he didn't know that. Oh, but that is definitely nope. he's cashing implied. a lot of checks that nobody's gonna cash. Yeah, that's the why I like the film. <laughs> he respected her boundaries until Shut she was ready. The fuck? What? <laughs> I, my like for it is 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 way different. I I, I mean, like I the relationship between them, it, it's fine. I mean, yeah. like it, you know, it works as far as the human element and, yeah, and that sort of thing. Whatever. Uh, I love the interaction between him and, and Rob Cordry in the movie. Yes. I love the zombie apocalypse they've set up in this movie because yeah. it, it, it does. I mean, it does the zombie apocalypse in this better than a lot of the cheesy shitty zombie movies that are a dime a dozen, you know, when yeah. uh, like Tubi and all that. Oh, yeah. So if you're a zombie fan, they, they did the, I mean, they did the world right at least. And then, I mean, Nicholas Holt, I mean, he you just, it's its an interesting concept. You're seeing it from the zombie's perspective. Yes. They don't do that in a lot of movies. Okay. I mean, they just don't. Oh, and I, I don't have anything well, to disagree with that. Hold like, on. I got to get his opinion on something. Because there's something the hell that bothers me about newer zombie movies. Is the fact that they don't use real guns anymore. And all the gunshots are like, or CGI or whatever they're putting oh, later. Yeah. And all the blood is too. But when these people shoot these guns, the gun flies in the air like it's a hand cannon, and a lot of times it's not. Like, I get so irritated. The exaggerated gunfire recoil blows my mind. Oh. <laughs> it's like, you're shooting a nine. Like, why in the fuck are you acting like you just spot a shot like a fucking desert eagle? Yeah. Their hands that, just fly in the air. That's because outside of Alec Baldwin, <laughs> most people have not shot a gun in, in Hollywood. Oh. Tell me that wouldn't be a good horror movie. Alec Baldwin shoots that girl and she comes back as a zombie. Oh, somebody should do that. We can make like a YouTube movie of that. Like maybe not zombie, but like a ghost or a curse. That would be that would be epic if someone in Hollywood made that movie. It'd be in poor taste, but I would watch it. <laughs> I just I just keep thinking about like on uh, Friday Night Tights and Nerdrotic and all them. There's and uh, geeks and gamers. There's a guy that's like they're uh, in their audience who has made his username Alec Baldwin's finger don't miss or something. Oh, my uh, God. Trigger finger don't miss. And I'm just thinking about that as the movie. It's like Alec Baldwin, and it's like, if he if you get in this crosshairs, you're dead. You know, like there's no escape. Uh, I didn't realize he had live, am, live ammo on him when he shot that girl, like in his pockets. I didn't know that uh, he had that. Oh, it was I mean, my bad. His belt, his belt loop had two rounds of live ammo. See, that makes no sense because the ar whole argument they made for that, which is getting slightly off topic, but, like, was that, I mean, for blank weapons, I mean, most people don't realize this, they still have to fire a bullet, which is, but it has no, like, projectile in it. It's most, it's powder. Yeah, so but why? They, but, to, but to clear the gun, they have to go out and they have to shoot it with live ammo to, like, you know, get it functional. So, or, so these people were out shooting it for that function, but nobody checked it before they brought it back in. To Which put is the, blanks in. the number one rule of fucking well, handling not, a not gun. That, you have a gun on set, and then you're taking it out back and shooting live ammo through it. Doesn't it sound like a red fucking flag? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it is, but I mean, it, that part is actually something that happens, but somebody is supposed to check it before it ever set, gets back on the actual set and clears it of all the ammo, make sure that it's out there. And the other thing is, too, the person that he shot wasn't even in the scene. He took a fake gun, aimed it at somebody off camera, and shot her. Hey, on so, purpose. Yes. <laughs> so wait, has that movie completely been like shelved? Like, is that not? 
as far as I know of. Yeah, I haven't That's, heard anything. Um, you know, you know how good that is because footage is up to the point he shoots her. So all they gotta do is reenact the scene where he shoots her, and then it turns into a horror. Well, movie. she's not even an actress in the movie. Yeah, she was just like she was a director or. or I wonder. If wonder if you, he, I wonder if you get I, Alec Baldwin to come in and play himself in the horror part of the movie. See, that's that's where you that's where you flip it, just like Noah's saying. It's a Western movie, just like uh Blazing Saddles was a Western movie <laughs> until you get to the end. And then you realize it was all a movie set. Yeah. And now somebody died in real life. That's where you flip oh, it. Oh my god. Yes, yes. It's like a mind twist. They'll never get away with that. Where's Emily M Night Shalon when you need him? <laughs> what the twist? He just pops up. What the twist? Oh my god. <laughs> No, but going uh, circling back to warm bodies. Uh, by the way, babe, this is a trilogy. I don't know if you knew that, but there is another book. Part somebody two. said there's four books. Three. I don't know if that's Shut true or not. Door. I only see three, but there's another. Some, well, Go ahead. What? Well, the reason I say that is because somebody had on here. They asked him um, if he uh, is is planning on making any of the sequels in the movies, and he said uh, all four of his novels is the way that he phrased it have been optioned for television is the way he phrased it. So Okay, hold on one I, second. I'm going. The Warm Bodies book series by Isaac Marion includes books Warm Bodies, The Living, The Living and Several Wait, and several more. Um there's a box set allegedly. Okay, so what I'm showing is Warm Bodies, which is what we've read, The Burning World, which is part two, uh The Living, which is part three, The New Hunger, which is part four. There you go. There's the four. Holy shit. Dude, I want all of these books. Obviously, I have warm bodies already. Maybe for good for Christmas, Santa will bring you one. But Valentine's Day is coming. Maybe if you're yeah. good for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, here's the quote. It says, uh, according, somebody said there's no warm bodies to news updates. Uh, and then it says, according to author Isaac Marion, he doesn't know what is going on behind the scenes. But he did say that all four of his books were optioned for TV. It's still possible, he said, in a 2023 interview. So as of last year, uh, he has stated that they are currently still yeah. processing this and ma might make it in the sequels. Okay, and a lot of them are prequels. His books, there's like two prequel books. Um, I got a feeling they would do good. As long as the storyline... Oh, excuse me, The New Hunger is a prequel. As That's long as he one. keeps like the storyline tight and it doesn't go... Like way off base. Yeah, I think you're good. We have yet to see. I mean, I definitely want to read the next book and definitely report back on that um, when I receive that for Valentine's Day. Why don't you do like a legit <laughs> book report? There's so many good horror books. Did you ever check out that one, Dead City? Dead City. Uh, I don't. I I don't think I've read that one because the one that I thought was Dead City was another one that I've read. That's like uh, that's uh, basically the zombies are like demonic uh in, in in a way and like the humans basically the, there's no escaping the the deaths from them because they're fast moving they've got super strength but they're like rotting corpses with like demonic spirits in them or something no 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 this um, one's uh let me see if i can find it shit keep talking uh joe but, mckenna um, joe mckenna's author it's a i think it's a three-part or four-part series but Dead City, Dead City is the first one. It's hell. You would like it, dude. It's written so good. On Audible, it's really good. The guy that reads it does an amazing job of reading it. He really gets into the, the characters. I kind of regret giving getting rid of my $5 Audible subscription because then I found out that 
Spotify, you can listen. Well, I could because I was the head. I was the chief, master chief of Spotify. So I got like 15 hours a month to listen to an audiobook, any audiobook I want. But now I've canceled Spotify. And I'm just like, okay, well. <laughs> do, do you have an audible, Sean? Yeah, he does. Oh, dude, check well, out I, check out Dead City. I, check it out, Joe McKenna. I, I've got it. Uh, actually, um, there's a, a lot of options from my public library as far as getting audiobooks. So oh, I'm yeah. See if I, can put it on there. I forgot. Do you use Hoopla? Uh, this one is one called Libby, I believe. So, okay. Yeah, they're probably uh, but, similar. Uh, but I no, Hoopla is a different one that, that also has access to yeah. stuff like that. You can basically but, check out Audible books, and, and it's free. Yeah, people out yeah. there listening, if you want to listen to a good audiobook series, Joe McKenna, Dead City. It's so it's super gritty, man. I love it. Oh shit, they have so Hoopla for sure has uh Burning Worlds, The New Hunger, and I think that's it. They don't have the living, but the living was um was the final one, and that's the uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's the uh, final prequel. Payday. Final payday. <laughs> um, so I, as far as this movie goes, I it's it's a good one. I mm-hmm. I enjoy watching it. I mean, it's I don't have one. I mean, whenever my wife wanted to see it because she was the one that got me to go watch this, she's like, "Hey, you like zombie movies?" And this is, and I was like, uh, "Okay, it's a romantic comedy. We'll see." Uh, but I mean, if, if I can enjoy it and then, you know, and, and she, you know, gets to enjoy the romantic mm-hmm. side of it or whatever, then it's a winner. Oh, definitely. Opinion, so. This That's is definitely a rewatch. How many, um, how many, uh, rotting corpses would you give this movie? How, I would, I would at least give it a three and a half or a four. I, I, I can rewatch this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely one I, of those holiday movies like mm-hmm. for Valentine's every year. As we always yeah. say, pick a holiday, make a horror film out of it. <laughs> Seriously, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll get you'll get horror fans watching it every year because we want every excuse in the book to watch a horror movie <laughs> instead of what's normally out there. Yeah, well, you're gonna watch it again. Yeah, it's a seasonal movie. You don't like a, this movie? Get into the spirit. Uh, yeah, it's a four point <laughs> five four point five uh, rotting corpses for me. I mean, I really, really, really like this book and movie. I mean, I have not. I can't recall a. Well, I can call recall one book, but it's not a horror book. But I can't recall any kind of book uh, and movie that I have read and watched so many times. Like, a minimum of three times for the book on this one. Fool's Russian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I watch that movie a lot. He, he bring, he'll bring that up a lot because oh, I put that movie on to go to sleep now, basically. It's like a comfort film, you know? Um. Yeah, I watch zombie movies for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, same with me. The... I will say this about that book. Like I got it on audible for the, for this podcast, just to compare the two of them. And it's been a long time since I had the, uh, the attention span to uh, get through a novel. And this one just went by super quick. Like it is a yeah. very easy read. Oh, like, it is. I mean, it really is. What the, how was the guy who did, who, uh, who did the book, who read the book? He's not too bad. Mm-hmm. He actually has like kind of a southern drawl about him, especially when he does the voice of Nora. Yeah, like it, it's almost like a Texas accent comes out whenever yeah. he's uh, whenever he's doing her voice. He's yeah. kind of soft spoken, but at the same time, he's able to emote all of the characters really well. That's the worst, though, is when you listen to an audible book and they fail. They like they flat read it. 
It's like, yeah, oh. it's weird. He's he, he it was a lot more soft spoken than I expected, but it fucking worked for the story. And, and he does a good job for the zombies too of making them really gruff. It's like, you know, he, he runs yeah. into the, you know, like that part of it, you know. I so. forgot, yeah. Well, that's why I think paying it pays to have an actor read your book. I don't know. This wasn't an actor for sure, but I, he, I got a feeling a lot of these people are that, that read voice really actors, good. maybe. Yeah, that's some, how, yeah, that's still an actor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, anything else you want to say about this movie before we close it out? It is definitely a rewatch every Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes. All right, folks, with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs>